0: Welcome to RinkWise, everyone, New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Joining us via Zoom today, head coach of the two-time Elite Eight NEPSAC Women's Championship team of Williston, Krista Talbot Saifu. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephanie. Really happy to be here. I know, finally. we. I know it's been hard to get Get this on the schedule the last few weeks, really busy after the season. Now, have you had a chance to kind of let everything sink in after a very successful season?
1: Yeah, fortunately, after we won, we had spring break. So that was a <laughs> really nice treat to have a couple of weeks off before the students arrive back. So we've had ample time to enjoy. We still haven't had our team banquet yet. We'll do that just before the school year is over and send our seniors off to graduation. But yeah, it, it was tremendous.
0: That's great. And it's great to really see things back to normal, so to speak. It's been a couple of years leading up to this. It's been very up and down with a lot of disruptions in the season. So really great to see hockey back in full swing. And it was an exciting year, not just for you guys, but for the entire league, I think.
1: Yeah, I I would say I'm thinking about our our students that have been four-year players and their experience was very normal their freshman year. And sophomore year was not normal at all. We only played five games and there's some student athletes that didn't get to play any. And last year, there were a few bumps along the road, but it was really nice, I think, this year for most teams to experience a pretty normal, a normal season and just normal school year.
0: For sure. Yeah, it's been a long time coming and you're right about that. And so with your team, talk about that. So a lot of success recently and two back-to-back championships with the Elite Eight. So how has that felt? I mean, I know you've put a lot of work in and lucky for you, you've had some of those players for three or four years now. So how has that all happened? Like, how do you feel about it? Has it, like I said, have it had a chance to sink in yet with all that success?
1: Yeah, I, I do think that COVID has played a little bit of a role in the success because I think that kids during that off year were really grateful to be able to play. And there was a level of gratitude that we spent a lot of time talking about because that things were so uncertain. And the only thing that was certain is that we were going to get to skate, whether we had an opponent or not. So I had a pretty special group of, of seniors last year. There were seven of them. All of them had been with me for four years and two had been with me for five. So that was their sophomore year. And they really, sorry, that was their junior year. And they really wanted to make their senior year be the best that it could be. And, and so I think COVID really gave them some perspective. And they were a very united group and led the way. And and made for a really remarkable season. And I think as we looked forward to this year, I think people are looking around saying, who's going to fill that role? And who's going to fill that role? And we started the year at a Jamboree on the first Wednesday. Our upperclassmen were not happy with the way that that went. And I actually think that was the best wake-up call for our group to say, what do we need to do? And how are we going to do it? And I think from there, the focus was just really building on the momentum from each game and taking one game at a time. And so I I really give our senior group a a lot of credit. Their leadership was tremendous. And yeah, it's just a really special, special group this year as well.
0: That's great. So even even that much more special, right, with that championship. So kind of just the icing on the cake, but that you've had such an impact with those players for so long. And a lot of them going on to play college hockey, right? So a lot of success with those players. And I know some of them, Emily Crovo, known that family for a long time. She had a big year for you and a lot of them going on to successful college careers.
1: Yeah, Emily had a tremendous year. I mean, she's been she's been consistently, a, I would say, a top player. When she arrived, she demonstrated that she was a 200-foot a player and as she Grew to be a junior and senior. She really took on a tremendous leadership role in the locker room. And the kid just does not quit. She had scored her 100th point in our quarterfinal game against Loomis. She scored the game-winning goal in overtime against Nobles. And then she had two goals and an assist in our game against Andover. So, yeah, a, a really terrific player, but an even better kid. Yeah. Was the captain and just full of a lot of positive energy. and has the respect of all of her teammates in every sport that she plays. She's also the soccer and lacrosse captain here as well.
0: That's great. Yeah. And now do you coach any of the other sports there as well? Like, do you get to see them in some of the other seasons as well?
1: Yeah, I actually coach boys cross country, which is nice. a, a really different sport and experience. But I I see these kids playing their fall and spring sports. Yesterday I was at the track meet and, and one of our defensemen is running the 100 and the 4 by one And so... Really great to see these kids pushing themselves in all aspects of their life here.
0: That's great. And so just talking about the path a little bit that you guys took this season because you went undefeated, I believe, right? I think there was a tie in there, but undefeated and had a couple really close games. But I didn't get to see your semifinal matchup with Nobles, but I've heard from just a lot of the fans there. That was one of the best girls high school games they've seen. That was kind of the report from that. So really a tough path to get there. But what were some of the games that really sort of stuck out to you this season?
1: Yeah, I would say we started the season on the road going to St. Paul's, and that's always a battle. It was a fast, fast game. And it's nice to start with a long road trip where kids have to spend a lot of time together and, and get there and, uh, and have some success. I would say the Nobles Tournament was always a tremendous competition. All of the games that we played were one-goal games. And we ended up beating Nobles there two to one. And then I would say we had a really great game against Dexter, who was much improved. We won that game one nothing early in the first period we scored. So to hold on as they were pressuring us on the road was, I think, showed a lot of of determination and grit and resilience. And then I would say we had a, a little bit of a blip with Choate, who was very hardworking. Their goalie played outstanding. We won that game in overtime after I was shooting them about three to one. Emily Crovo had that game-winning goal as well. And then I would say our Andover game at Andover, which was in February, that was a really, really good game, as well as the Loomis game, which we tied here on our senior day. And and that was a really, really interesting game. I mean, we were down and came back and tied up the game. And then they actually pulled their goalie late and tied the game up. And we went into overtime. And I think the kids really took that game like a loss opposed to a tie. And I think that was really motivating as we headed into our final stretch. And we didn't have an easy path. no. I would say Loomis being the eighth seed, they were one of the best teams that we played. They're very well coached. Uh, their Their kids played super hard against us in both games. And in the Nobles game, definitely, I would say, probably one of the best games that we've been a part of. The action was back and forth. It could have gone either way. Both goalies played tremendous. And it was a very, very well, well-played game, I would say, on both on both teams. So those would be some of the games that I would say really st- stuck out and, and really showed the, I think, leadership. We have a really strong group of seniors, but also juniors, five juniors that were part of the team last year that have have grown a lot and have really helped us in this past season as well.
0: That's great and great great showcasing for the league itself. And I think, Christopher, how far girls hockey has come. I know we were new to the league this year, but there's there's really no... Bad games, right? Like no matter what seed, and especially when you enter the playoffs, it's it's going to be hard, right? No matter what, and close games. And we can talk about that. I think a little bit more because I know you started as a player in this league and
1: now as a coach. But great for the league, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, the the difference between I would even say ten years ago to now, and and absolutely when I played twenty five years ago, you had the Cushings and the Choats with Olympians on their teams. And, and not every game had the same parity that it does now. And I think that's tremendous for girls prep school hockey and just girls hockey in general, is that I think every game you need to show up. And, and I think the parity is something that we've been really proud of over the last five to seven years as we've continued to grow.
0: Indeed. And no
1: question, in my opinion,
0: NEPSAC League for Girls, one of the best girls high school leagues in the country. Something to be proud of. And looks to be certainly on track to continuing that success, I think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that this is such an attractive path for girls because they are multidimensional. They love hockey. They have a real strong passion. But then to be able to go to a school where you can do other things in addition to playing hockey, I think it's just a great opportunity and really attracts, I think, a lot of kids to look at our schools and consider this option and path.
0: Indeed. And so we'll talk a little bit more about your background, because certainly you're well poised, I think, to give a lot of opinion, I think, on this matter. So again, so you you have been at Williston for a long time. So you started as a player there. And so tell us what that was like. But then also, we'd love to know how you sort of transitioned to eventually going back to Williston to work there.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I actually grew up in Southern California and I played boys hockey, but I also played on the first girls state team. So that was my first exposure to girls hockey and I actually played with Angela Ruggiero and she went to Cho. So that was sort of the first person that I really knew that considered boarding school. But at the time that she left... We had just been to Connecticut and played against the Polar Bears in this really fun summer showcase. And that was our first exposure to any prep school or colleges at that point. So she went to Choate and would write letters back and forth that we'd send in the mail and just said, this was such a tremendous opportunity. And that really started a lot of us to consider, wow, this is so cool. The rake is right up at school. That was definitely not a possibility where where I grew up. So so, I repeated my junior year here at williston and uh and spent two years here. I had two different coaches, both of whom I'm still in in close touch with and While the team was very strong the year before I got here, we were not as strong my the two years that I was here, but just the opportunity to be able to skate six days a week and leave your equipment in the locker room and have other kids on the team that wanted to play in college was just such a terrific experience and i I would say that whilst hockey was a highlight, I would say this, the the student that I became was 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 really incredible. I was not super confident in the classroom. I was at a big public school before I came here, so the transformation for me was was really academically, athletically, and then just personally. I became a leader in the school. There were a lot of teachers, advisors and coaches that were saying to me, you should try this and you should run for student council and you should be a proctor in the dorm. And so I really made the most of the two years that I was here and, and I credit Williston to a lot of my growth as a young adult and then cutting into uh, playing college hockey and and balancing the academic program as well as being able to play at that level to to willison i i learned a lot about myself in the two years here and many times i joke with my mom and say that i was grateful you let me go to willison but you should have let me go soon because (laughs) this thing the the four-year experience that i see that our kids have is is pretty unique to come in as a 13 or 14 year old and then leave here as it as a strong young woman is, it's just such a cool experience. So, so I went on to play at college and I knew that coaching was something that I was interested in. I spent a lot of my summers working camps and helping out and staying in the Northeast because I wanted to be around hockey and, and continue to train. And then when I graduated from Providence, I went to Hamilton College and coached for one year, which was, which was great. I, it was really, Really cool to see what the Division Three experience was like, and I worked for a woman, Shannon Bryant, who allowed me to do a lot of things—from getting on the road and recruiting to speaking on the phone to doing skills with the defensemen—and she let me really dive right in. And and then I was thinking about, okay, should I stay for another year? And then I actually got a call from Williston to say we're looking for somebody to work in admissions and coach hockey. What do you say? So. In April, I came back and interviewed and got the job, and and I've been here for 20 years. Wow. So I've I've had a couple of different hats here, which has been great to sort of figure out exactly where the best spot is for me. I've coached a couple of other things. I live in a dorm, live in our largest girls' dorm. And so I've, I've been able to do a lot, and I'm really grateful for the professional growth that I've had in. The ability to work with all different kinds of people and, and, and coach things that I love. Um, outside of hockey, I'm an avid runner. So to be able to coach cross-country in the fall and share my passion for running has been really, really important to me as well.
0: You certainly, you got your wish of more than two years at Williston. So better late than never, right? Your mom let you go. So thank goodness she did years ago, right? Yes. It gave you the yes. green light that you could go. No, that's that's great. So clearly, an environment for you at the time where you could really thrive. Clearly, right, and and be the best version of yourself. And Krista, just listening to your kind of storytelling, it is funny going back years where this girls' hockey. I mean, there used to be really the polar bears and Assabet, right? So talking about just how the transition has really happened over the years, and now clearly that avenue is much different as well. Just like on the prep side now, so there's many more teams and not just many more teams, but also many more competitive teams. So must be also incredibly rewarding for you to see that exponential
1: transition over the years, just in general. Absolutely. I mean, just even thinking about the the opportunities that girls have at the U8 level and the U10 level and 12 and 14. I mean, when I started playing, I played on a a girls U19 team and I was 13. And, And that probably would not happen now because there's just so much opportunity for kids. And just even thinking about here in New England, you're right. The polar bears were polar bears and acid were the two big players. And now you have so many different programs, all starting at the U eight, U10 level and, and going all the way to U19. And yep. and a lot of those games are really close too. As you head to the state tournament, as I go and watch U twelve and U 14 and 16 and 19, it's just really cool to see these kids have these opportunities probably that you and I did not have right? growing up. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Krista, so we had uh, this year,
0: I think, at our U8 triad, something like 30 girls, 30 little U8s show mm-hmm. up. So it's it's certainly come a long way. So, And I think you bring a, a really interesting perspective as well, because you did not grow up in New England. Neither did I. But so you grew up playing hockey in California. And so back then, did you have any option at all to play Girls hockey, or was it just just boys? And then you had to make that decision to eventually go to prep school at Williston.
1: Yeah, so really the only option was this team, California, that was a tournament team. So I played boys all the way until I was a midget, and at that point I had had a really, I would say, my final boys season was was tougher. Sitting in the bathroom, getting changed, and playing against opponents that were disrespectful. And then again, seeing and hearing my friends that were at prep school talk about how positive their experience was and when just the sacrifices of getting in the car and driving an hour and a half, two hours, three hours to go play games meant, you know, that you weren't doing other things. And so it, it became clearer and clearer to me. And I, w- I would share this story. I, I had gone to see my college counselor at the beginning of my first junior year at my high school. And I said, I want to play college hockey. And she was like, what kind of hockey? And I was like, <laughs> March 12 And I said to my mom, enough, like, I have to, I have to, I have to be in a place where this is going to be more feasible and where there's support for this. And I just don't think that I can reach the level and the goals that I have by staying here. So, so I was really fortunate actually to play on team California because it provided me a level of exposure, but it, but it was not a full season team. It was we played in November in Minnesota and Christmas out east. And then we had we qualified for nationals. So so I played on that team for two years and then and then headed to prep school. And then there was probably about five or six of my teammates that headed out as well, a couple to Pomfret, a couple to Willowston. And I think it was it was the right thing for all of us to do, given the landscape of of hockey in California at that time.
0: Well, hopefully your college counselor will tune into this podcast, Krista, and we're talking about the hockey, of course, on ice with skates that has clearly made such an impact in your life, right, and paving the way. And it's great. I think it's it's a great opportunity for for folks like us. I could certainly go back years and pretty much the same. Girls' hockey has certainly pretty much paved my entire life into college, into a career, and how fortunate that we get to work in it full-time and and pay it forward, give back and and see our kids now come up and, and have better opportunities than we had.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's something that I take great pride in here at Williston is I had such a, a terrific and transformative two years that it is really important to me that the, the kids that are here, not just my players, get that same experience, whether that's living in the dorm or being coach or being my advisee really ensuring that kids are cared and supported in their in all of their endeavors.
0: Well, and so back to Williston, of course, speaking of that. So in your success there, so you guys have really just had some big time success and and again, like you've you've worked at it a long time and you've worked really hard at it. So I think we we also want to really highlight that and highlight you guys because the the new England prep scene the that elite eight and I would say particularly like I get to see a lot of those teams this year Krista I think the the top four or five are like the heavyweights girls hockey it's it is great hockey those teams are filled they're deep they're filled with very high end college prospects and that is no easy task so how do you give you a chance to kind of talk about your team culture and and stuff a little bit and And again, particularly the last couple of years, you guys are really doing things right there, doing things very well. You have a lot of success. So and that doesn't just happen.
1: Yeah, thanks, Stephanie. Yeah, I would say that I don't think that there's any magic formula. I think a lot of us are are talking and trying to get kids to understand that a lot of their ability to be successful is within their own control. So our kids hear this all the time. We want you to bring your best attitude, effort and be the best teammate that you can be. I think that, that one of the things that probably has has evolved is just, I would say, the ability to share the puck and trust each other. And I think when kids go through difficult things, I, I go back to COVID because I do think that that has had a role in some of the success that we've had is we were pretty deliberate during that time around sharing things that we're grateful for, acknowledging when things are hard and And I think that there was a level of trust that was built during that time that translates on the ice as I think about our our top three lines this year there was there was no kid that was holding onto to the puck too long. Kids were sharing the puck and and they're relentless in their effort. I think the kids that I get to work with, I feel very, very grateful that they just give it everything they have. And that starts in practice. And And so I would say, I, I think that it's a really special group. And I think our older kids paved the way. And I think they've seen a variety of things and have really wanted to make each year better. And I didn't think it could get better than last year. And And this group of kids, again, I think some of the challenges that we faced in the first week and then some of the hurdles that we had to overcome over the course of the year Really gave kids a platform to trust each other, to believe and see the good in one another. And also they're they're just a really competitive group. And so they want to win.
0: Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And sometimes it's great to get those little bumps, if you will, or those challenges early in the season, right? Because you don't want to get that your last game of the season, right? So get to get that maybe early on.
1: For sure. I think everybody and everybody says like, "Oh, you guys had such a great season. It must have been so great." I'm like, "It it was great, but there's definitely bumps along the way. I mean, of, of being complacent, and that's something that we spent a lot of time talking about in the last third of the season. And I would say. When you we had some stretches where we were scoring goals and it was coming easy to us, and then you'd hit a patch where it was harder. Really getting kids to understand every shot that you take is important, whether that's in practice or in games. And we may have won ten nothing last last week, but you know now it's a zero zero game heading into the third period, and it's not going to come easy. And so there was definitely bumps along the way, but I would say those bumps, when you have really good leaders they help you get through the bumps and they take a stand in the locker room and uh, go back to Emily Crowbo. she was demanding but respected and uh, and i think was a, a big catalyst for a lot of the success that we had because people just followed and that's you need those kinds of kids in your locker room who are well respected and are going to lift lift the group up and score big goals when you need them to
0: with the addition of success to a program it poses its own set of circumstances and problems and complacency certainly being one of them. And I think the saying, it's it's really hard to get to the top of the mountain, but I would disagree. I think it's even harder to stay there. Once you're there, it's harder to stay there because you are the target and you have the target every game on your back and you often get everyone's best game if you're that number one team.
1: Yeah. And that's something that we talked about a lot over the course of the year. We knew right from the beginning that we'd have a target on our back. And I think one of the things that we spent a lot of time talking about is just details and really buckling down, particularly in the last half of the season of playing really great team defense and understanding what that means. And that's not just your goalie and defenseman, but that's all six players playing hard in the D zone. And I think we made a recommitment to that. And I think that that helped us down the final stretch. And I think we had we had done that the year before, so kids were ready to hear that and ready to buy into, if we want to be the best that we can be, we've got to keep the puck out of them. And the only way to do that is for everybody to be back checking hard and taking away shots and pushing people to the outside and taking care of the middle. And then in transition, making sure that you're in a space that, you know, can help get the puck out, whether that's you're going back and retrieving pucks and making quick decisions or you're the strong side wing and needing to get yourself in a position to help that defenseman be an outlet. And so we spent a lot of time on those details, and I think that definitely paid off for us.
0: Yeah, and super exciting to watch, of course. We all were really tuned in and was great hockey. And I want to pivot for a second just to the actual NEPSAC league itself. And so amongst all of your roles at Williston, you are in addition to that, with all your experience, co-president of the Girls' League, and so let's talk about that a little bit. So how how long have you been doing that, and how did that sort of just, I guess, come about under your plate?
1: Yeah, yeah. About I think ten or eleven years ago, Christina Dachin, who was the president at Proctor Academy, decided to take a different job and had asked, would I be interested in this? And I said, I have a lot of responsibilities at Williston. I'd be interested, but have we ever thought about having two people do it? <laughs> so at that point in time, Liz Lydon, who said, Loomis, she and I took it on. And uh, what was great is Liz and I have worked well together and we, we played to each other's strengths and, and sort of divided and conquered. Liz stepped away two or three years ago and now I've been working with Jamie and the, the the real goal is to help push the league forward. And I would say there's been a lot of conversation in the, the years that I've been involved in coaching around how do we provide the girls with the best experience possible. And when the time that, that we've been, that I've been in in this role, we've made some some good changes. We've moved to, to three tournaments, which is the where we are now. We used to be two tournaments, division one and division two. And now we're in our third year of three tournaments. And that means that four more teams are going to playoffs, which means a hundred more kids are getting that experience, uh, which is really great as kids head off to play in college. I also think that it just gives a level of exposure. To college coaches and just girls hockey in general, just another, an, another group. So we, we made that change. We've moved from 15 minute periods to now 17 minute periods. This upcoming year, we're going to be moving to two minute penalties. So trying to do our best to give kids an experience that will help them play at the college level, but also expose them and really try to continue to grow the game as, as best as we possibly can, given the. 56 schools that are are part of our association.
0: Yeah, and it's it's great that you guys do this. It really is, because I think, I mean, Chris, I think that's how things continue to get better. You have to have people that have clearly so much experience like you guys do and so much knowledge with this particular path and with with the prep schools itself and again, like that's how that's how we make hockey better. That's how we make girls hockey better and clearly the the league has come a long way. And it is, without a question, it is one of the best platforms to help those that want to move on to the next level and play college
1: hockey. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would just say even the parity, if you look at all the results this year from every tournament, I would say 85 to 90 percent of the games were one goal games, which means that that we're getting the seating correct and that. I think the other great thing is that there were some teams that made the tournament this year that hadn't ever made it before. Right. So it de- definitely shows the growth of the game and the league. And, and Stephanie, having your team join us this year and, and make the playoffs is really tremendous and remarkable. And it just shows, I think, that we're moving in the right direction and that we're continuing to push forward.
0: The goal of Austin Prep, just aside from the girls hockey, I mean, was was to give the school or athletics a better platform. That Mm -hmm. was really the, I think, underlying reason that they wanted to make that transition. And so I think it speaks volumes to you guys that that was really, their intent was to provide their student athletes with, with what they thought and perceived as being the best opportunity for them.
1: Yeah, and kudos to Austin Prep because I was at the cross country championships and the girls, the Austin Prep girls cross country won. Yeah. And that was their first yeah, time good. competing in the NEPSAC, right. so right. Uh, it definitely seems like it's been a good move for all the athletes there, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think when people want to join your league, they want to, they want to subscribe to your league. I think that's always a good thing. And uh, so with with our two worlds, so I'm involved heavily in the the youth world as in New England Girls Hockey League. So lots of things that really coincide together with the NEPSAC league and. We have our we have a board as well, and uh, Krista. We recently just put together like our the start of our college placements for this year coming up, and it's still a, a list that's growing. And I can tell you right now, it's in the dozens and dozens of of college placements just for this year, and pretty much all of those players are in prep schools, right? In our league, and uh, again, right now on the girls' side, it is, in my opinion, the top girls' high school league in terms of number of placements every year and also just the development platform that it provides. Of course, that's my opinion, right? So, and that's my job on this show is to give my opinion, but that's how I feel. And clearly, I think we have a lot of the numbers to support that.
1: We do, yeah. And it's definitely something that we are trying to compile on on our end as well is just trying to get a, a good handle of how many girls are going to play at the college level and even just thinking about the Frozen Four and seeing some of those players that played at prep school have such success at the college level, I think is really, really rewarding and something that we're trying to highlight more and more of. And so I think in the future, you'll see some some social media posts around this amount of girls. If I were to guess, I would say close to 100. Hundred girls right. every every season that yep. are going to play yep. at some level of of college hockey and and I agree with you I think I'm not as familiar with Minnesota and how their high school hockey works but I would say I think we have a really good a really good platform here and I think I think at any given Wednesday or Saturday you can see college coaches at our games and that's we're we're located in an area where there are lots and lots of of opportunities for girls and to have many of those options within driving distance really allows our kids to be showcased in a way where they're not waiting for a tournament. Right. Where it can just happen in a regular season game uh, on a Wednesday or Saturday. And I think that's really neat. Indeed it is. I know with our
0: playoff game there, right at the end of the season at Merrimack College, like we had, to your point, we had several college coaches at the game or streaming it. And so again, it's it's a league that's certainly followed very closely by by coaches, I'll be sure to share my notes too with the that we just came up with the NEGHL. So, like I said, we can sort of piggyback each other, I think, on that. But it's it's a very impressive list so far. Absolutely, it's still yeah. growing. So, I think since we have you here, we have your expertise and all your knowledge on the show. I think it would be good to get your opinion and your feedback. We've covered some recent topics on our podcast, things like the off season and things like that coming up, and. I know on your your team and at Williston you have a lot of multi sport athletes and things like that, and also a lot of high level athletes. So, with your playing background and now your your coaching experience, what do you think are for the older kids, like your sixteens and nineteens, just some good tips that you think are are good for them to be doing now with the off season coming up, both from a development standpoint? So what they can do to sort of prep for your season or prep to to hopefully move on to the next level and or to showcase themselves. I know that's kind of a lot in that question, but I figured, again, like just a, a, such
1: a good expert on the opinion to to share your opinions. Uh, thanks. I would say this. All of my kids on my team are playing a spring sport. So I have kids doing softball, track, lacrosse. So getting out and being competitive every day, I think is is an opportunity to keep getting better as an athlete and makes you a better hockey player. I would say this. I think the off-season is an opportunity to reflect what went well, what are the strengths that you bring, what are the areas that you really want to get better at when trying to figure out at what point and how do you implement that? If it's mental skills or I have a player that wants to get quicker. And so trying to figure out how do you that on top of what they're doing now and then getting them ready for showcasing. The, the sophomores and any juniors that are still looking at schools will have opportunities to showcase in June, July, and August. So our ice is actually back down and our kids will have an opportunity to skate. And I think part of that is being able to have some fun, but also work on your skills. And not to do it every day. You yeah. know, I think the off season is an opportunity to to do other things, but also to make sure that you're staying sharp, so that when you are ready to hit the ice again in June, July, and August, that you're that you're ready to go. So, yeah. So I would say a mixture of things. Our, our seniors are getting ready to graduate and making sure that they're ready for what's ahead as they as they embark on the college world and get ready for testing and doing their summer program. But I would say there's a lot of pieces here. We have a strength and conditioning coach who's tremendous, um, who will test kids at the end of the school year, which is a really good opportunity for kids to sort of say, this is where I am. And for us to say, this is where you need to be. And then just getting, making sure that they're getting, getting on the ice this summer and, and putting themselves in the best position to showcase themselves.
0: That's great. Yeah. So, so spring, good time to kind of shut it down a little from hockey, take a little break and maybe do some other things. What are, what are some of the sports or the typical sports that your kids do right now in the spring?
1: Yeah. Lacrosse and softball are probably the most popular. And then I do have one student doing trick as well. So
0: nice. Uh, and then with your kids, I think you hit on it. So the off ice training. So how, mm-hmm. and, and I think I've certainly my thoughts on that. And I think that's certainly one of the areas that has grown tremendously for young athletes now and why we might see so many advances in the game. But how important is that for your kids and how important do you think that is overall with the
1: development process now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the opportunities that these kids have in the weight room is very different than what I have in the Yeah, expertise. Right. We have a tremendous strength coach that came from Springfield College who's been here for I want to say 11 or 12 years, and he has done a tremendous job training kids for the nine months that they're here. So our kids will be able to get in the weight room twice a week with a, with their teams, and then there's an open lift once a week that many of our kids will also go to. So yeah, I think it's a tremendous part of it. I mean, I think the, the only way that ninth and 10th graders can play with juniors and seniors is being able to get stronger. Right. And get faster. And there's the, the recipe for that is getting in the weight room and competing in that way. So I think it, it has made the game faster and has, has definitely obviously made our kids fitter and stronger. And, and also I think the other big piece of it is just preventing injury. These, these kids, the athletes that, you know, you and I coach Stephanie are tremendous athletes who are uh, playing three sports right. and sometimes they're playing two sports at once. And. And so really being sure that those kids are being able to prevent injury and, and move their bodies efficiently and appropriately, that's a big part of the work in the weight room as well. Yeah,
0: you said it. And one thing, Chris, I wish that we had back in my day, it seems like it's a big thing now, is incorporating yoga and things like that into training. Like, I, I wish we had that because I probably would have saved myself from all the injuries that I had during my my college days. But it's, it seems to be kind of a staple now with training.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it is so interesting to just think about the ice training and even just mental skills. I mean, our team during COVID did a program with Tiffany Jones, who's a specialist. And it was a really, really great opportunity for kids to think about what you think and how you feel, you know, really does impact the your performance. And so, getting in the right mindset, and how do you move from being in not a great mindset to being game ready? Those things, I think, are are equally important to what you're doing on the ice. And so, it's it's much more encompassing than I think when I was playing, and it just right. showed up. And when you took the summer, I took the summers off for the first couple of years. And now, the 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 kids that we're coaching are just so dedicated and. There's just so many more opportunities for them to grow and develop.
0: Oh, there sure are. Yeah. It's kind of a funny story. And this is show us how much things have changed. But I remember the year before I went to Northeastern, I did a PG year and I had effectively hurt my knee the last week of the season. And I don't think they really knew the extent at the time because there wasn't like the hands-on athletic trainers like we all have now, right, right by the, the side of the bench. But so it effectively was a torn ACL. <laughs> and at the time we didn't really have anything to tell us what it was or, but I remember at the time, my coach who I won't name, I love dearly, but he taped my knee for the game, like just taped it, like didn't like literally just took a roll of tape and just taped like my whole leg, which is obviously awful. Right. As we know now to something to do, but, but it just shows us how much like things have changed. Like, cause now you know, at your bench, you're going to have a full-time athletic trainer. You have medical staff. You have this and that. So it's kind of a funny story. But I mean, now that would be obviously horrible to do, right? But, but I guess I I, I ended up okay. So I had surgery later, but you know, that's ended up playing at college. And but uh, things have certainly come a long way for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. It is remarkable wh- where we are now.
0: Well, and this has been really awesome, just, of course, to get you finally on the show and uh, learn more about Williston and you and the NEPSAC and all that good stuff. And, of course, we can't wait to follow your team this coming season. So take a little break. And we see you guys playing. This has to be one of your favorite games, that hockey baseball sometimes on the ice. Is that your kid's favorite game? Yeah,
1: it is one of their favorites. Yeah. Yeah, we generally start practice with something fun as we transition. And so baseball tends to be the favorite, although the kids play soccer, a lot of soccer as well, and a couple of other things. But yeah, the baseball is definitely a favorite.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'll have to. My kids asked me that one time and I had no idea what they were talking about. So I'll have to get your notes. But yeah, it definitely looks like the kids are having fun for sure on the ice.
1: Yeah, that's an important part of it. Sure is right at every level. Absolutely. From, yeah.
0: the, from the U-8s all the way up to the older kids. So, but, but again, Krista, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here today. And it's just been great to follow Williston and two back-to-back championships. So hopefully you take a little bit of time to reflect and enjoy that success in your offseason as well. And again, we can't wait to follow you this coming season.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Stephanie, for having me. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. And it's great to talk about girls hockey.
0: Sure is. There's lots to talk about these days, so we'll definitely have you back on at some point as well.
1: Terrific. Thanks again.
0: And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AnyHockeyJournal, and subscribe online at HockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production.